Welcome to Boom Goddess Radio. This is Jennifer Davis Page in studio with Dr. Andrea Gouldmar. Good morning. And B.B. Peters. And we are so privileged today to have as our guest Dana Kennedy, the state director of AARP. Dana, we are thrilled to have you here with us at our table today. Uh, tell us and our listeners a little bit about what you do at AARP. Well, I'm the state director. So I help with the guide the vision of what we do in the state. And so we work on advocacy, utility rates, um, caregivers, um, health care, just to name a few things that we work on. Um, we work at the federal level, the state level, and the local level. That's wonderful. Those are all the things that, that we feel passionate about. I do, too. Yeah. And was Arizona your native state? No, I was born and raised in California. Uh-huh. Um, Central California. So I was born in Ventura, and now I call home Paso Robles, California, Central California. <laughs> Got it. And how long have you been associated with AARP? I have been the state director for four and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And tell us a little bit about your life before then. What happened to Dana in the life prior to AARP? Um, I was working for Congresswoman Cinema, who's now Senator Cinema. And prior to that, I was doing consulting in aging, and um, I've worked for the um, National Council of Senior Citizens as well as the Alliance for Retired Americans. So aging has kind of always been my passion, and um, I'm really blessed um, to be able to do what I do and get up every morning kind of looking to focus on what can we do today. And it's always different. You know, our days, my day can change based on an interaction that I might have had. And um, just the other day, I was working on, you might have heard about what happened at Hacienda. And what people don't realize is what happened at Hacienda happens um, in various settings across this, the country. Can you take a moment just to uh, refresh our listeners' ears about what happened? So what happened at Hacienda is there was a young woman with an intellectual disability, and she was raped, and she carried birth and and actually she had she 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 gave birth in in the facility and nobody had reported the rape the incident the concern regarding her health even though physicians had actually had given her physicals that was documented but nobody noticed that she had missed her menstrual cycle and um, so that tragedy really was eye-opening. And she was in a coma, wasn't she? Well, not a coma. And she, and the parents, re- she's responsive, um, but not so much verbally responsive. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't able to sh- tell anybody exactly what happened to her. I wanted to make sure that as long as we're looking at what's happening in our institutions, that we don't just single out this one institution that we look at all placements. So I'm on a task force that the governor has appointed me to be on a task force to kind of look at what we can do to try to prevent um, future sexual as well as physical abuse from happening to other vulnerable adults. So I was at a meeting regarding going over recommendations and then I went to have lunch and I was in a restaurant and I noticed this elderly man come up and the next thing I know a couple of officers had come up to him and said, you know, where do you live? 
and he was homeless. And so I left the re- the restaurant. They escorted him out and said that they would take him anywhere they he that they wanted, but he, you know, couldn't be here. Well, this was one of, one of the days that it was 115 in Phoenix. Mm. So I saw this elderly man wheeling down the street, and I went up to him and said, "Sir, where can I take you? There's there's a shelter, justice center, just right down the street, or I can take you to another." Um, shelter classes right across the street and he wasn't far from Salvation Army um, I said but it's too hot for you to be out here he was adamantly um, wouldn't accept my help and um, I offered him I had a cold iced tea that the restaurant had provided me I offered that to him he wouldn't take it he just kept saying leave me alone leave me alone and so I then went to a meeting at elected officials office and there was a couple of social workers. So we were trying to think what we could do. So we called a friend who works in a shelter and she was going to send somebody out to try and find him and see if they couldn't get him some shelter for the day. Um, but I made a Facebook post about it and I couldn't believe re- received over 500 responses and over a hundred shares. So obviously this is something that we need to work more on. So now I'm working on um, talking to national as far as what we can do to actually prevent somebody from actually being homeless in the first place. According to this small conversation, the short conversation that I heard with him and the officers, he became homeless because he was short a hundred dollars of his rent. Mm. And we need to make sure that we provide landlords, um, resources so we can make sure to keep people like them in their home that the landlords still get paid um, but I'm sure a lot of people would have come up with that $100 to make sure that that man didn't lose his housing. Was it and not the officer's responsibility? I mean you it sounded like you did what they should have done was it not their responsibility to assist him well, or, or or at least force him to to receive help? So they could have, they could have said that he was a threat to himself um, the, and the officers did offer to take him anywhere. Um, but he was, he was pretty adamant. You know, we are, this, he's part of that greatest generation mm-hmm. that believes that somebody else deserves something more than he does. How old a man was he? He was probably in his eighties. Mm-hmm. What's so amazing to me, Dana, is that, and I don't think many people know this about AARP, is that not only does the organization provide some very interesting and fun benefits uh, as far as practically and financially good, like uh, home insurance and car and travel tips and uh, security tips, but you are... you are transforming or helping AARP be a community angel, really, to help people like this gentleman who was homeless. And I don't think many people know that about AARP. We are an advocacy organization at our very core. I mean, we are a membership organization, but our founder was Ethel Percy Andrus. And she was the very first woman that was a principal in the LA County School District. And she started AARP in her fifties. And she went to visit a retired teacher that was living in the back in somebody's backyard in a chicken coop. And she was absolutely outraged that somebody was living in that type of condition who taught kids their entire career. Mm -hmm. So she knocked on the door of 31 insurance companies, um, trying to get group insurance for retired teachers. And finally she got a yes. And so she started national retired teachers association NRTA. And that was the beginning of AARP. So then she created AARP. So when President Johnson signed Medicare into law, she was in the room. So when people question us regarding our advocacy on the Affordable Care Act, 
that's the soul of who we are, yes. is to make sure that everybody has access to affordable health care. And that's the lens through which you, go, to go back to, you're waking up in the morning and you don't exactly know what the day is going to hold. But you do know that it's so easy for you to get triggered by looking around and making sure that people are dealt with fairly or that there's, there's resources and we say we have a, Ethel Percy's, one of her quotes was, what we do for one, we do for all. And so I now have adopted a new quote after dealing with this man, what would Ethel do? Mm. And if I think that I should take on a certain issue or not take on a certain issue, I wake up and say, what would Ethel do? That should so, be a button. Absolutely. <laughs> that should be Very a button. good. Next campaign. <laughs> so when I saw that man, I there was no way I could walk past him and not ask him if I could help him. You said you were always interested in issues that that touch the aging. What age were you when you became so aware and so compassionate? My had the great honor of having my great gramps in my life until he was 99 years old. Wow. So he was in he was part of my life for 40, well, no, 30 years. My grandparents um, were part of my life for 40 years. And so I spent every summer with my grandparents. Um, and so I watched the aging process a little differently than most people. My great-grandfather, he actually um, watched his first wife die of cancer. But before she died, she said, I want you to marry Helen. And that was a neighbor. And so <laughs> my grand... Matchmaker to the end. Yes. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, he married Helen. Now... Different people in, this, in, the, in the family will say different stories, but that's what my gramps told me, so that's the story that I'm going to honor. Okay. So he married Helen. And so I remember going to the wedding when I was like five years old. And how old was he and Helen at the time? They were in their early 70s, and Helen had never been married. Mm. So <laughs> I'm, I'm 52 and never been 51 and never been married so maybe maybe there's still hope for me <laughs> um, if, I, if I choose that. Um, but but it just had a compounding impact on me. And then so Helen Helen died, and my grandfather never, my great-gramps never thought that he would outlive Helen. And so he had macular degeneration. So because of his visual limitations, he needed to live with somebody. Because um, of where he lived, there were a lot of resources. He didn't have a car, you know, he couldn't drive. So he went and lived with my grandmother. And that was like oil and water. They just, you know, they, they got along fine, but living together, not so much. So Gramps came to live with us for give my give my grandmother respite. And again, he could do everything like he just couldn't see. So he just needed some assistance and companionship. And he was like he was like the rock star at the lake. If somebody wanted to go out on the boat and they needed somebody to, you know, hold the flag, they came over and got Gramps. And so we, you know, he was kind of everybody's gramps mm -hmm. at the lake and everybody loved him. He was just fun. So for me, aging was always positive. And, you know, he, he would fall down the hill every once in a while because he was gardening <laughs> and he'd just get back up and say, oh, I fell down. And, he, you know, he fell, but he never really hurt himself and falling's dangerous. But, and we always, you know, said you need to use a cane. You know, he just had very, you know, few limitations, um, but visual definitely. And so he lived to be 99. He stayed active. Um, he walked every single day until the last month of his life. He got esophageal cancer and we put him on hospice and he died at home, you know, next to loved ones. And so then, then I had my great, my grand or my grandma and grandpa that were in part of my life and they were great influences. 
And so I just think that bond between grandparents is so important and it has such an impact on, on people. Right, but I watched yes. the role reversal. So that's what I was interested in is, well, how come they don't get along, you know, but we get along fine with them. Um, and the same with my mom and my grandmother, you know, but my grandmother was, you know, she was, she was a piece of work. And uh, now your grandmother, was that Gramps daughter? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. All right. And so she passed away um, before she should have. She went in and had a hernia operation and never recovered from that. They poked a hole in her colon, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But I still had just such positive relationships with my grandparents. So I wanted to basically counsel parents or children of aging parents. And that was what I wanted to do. And so I did home health and hospice for a couple of years. But then I really... I really saw, you know, our long-term care system through a different lens and it needed some fixes. And I had great women influences that said, you need to go back and get your master's degree. So I went back and got my master's, but I focused in social work and, but I did, um, public policy and, um, aging. So I got my two, certificates, two certificates in gerontology and then my master's in social work. And I've been using, you know, that form of looking at systems perspective, um, ever since, so if you want to change something, you have to look at the entire system. So when I see this man and something's wrong with our, with, with how people are becoming homeless, I want to fix the policy. I don't want to, I, of course I want to help that one person, but I want to find out what, how did he become homeless? Because that's how you got to the root and that's how you need to create change. And what a marvelous way that you have uh, developed your career uh, having spent, so having this initiative and this passion, you spent time with Senator Kirsten Cinema, right? Mm -hmm. And so you were able there firsthand to learn how those policies work, how they get created, how they get voted in. So you were like a marvel. May I just tell you, you were like a marvel. So inspirational. Well, it was fun working in her office. And we when she was in Congress, that's when I worked in her office, we were, the VA was actually in her district. So that upset her beyond. And so I got to do a lot of work trying to fix the VA. And so we would actually go on long bike rides and have conversations as far as what we needed to do to put change into the VA. And so I looked at it from, you know, a different perspective and then I would attend all the meetings and then I'd report back to her. And then so she put together like a Veterans Advisory Council, um, which she has to this day. And then we focused on the VA and how we basically there was going to be a perception about the VA that people wouldn't go um, because of all the bad press. And we need to make sure that people still got help. So the very first thing when that crisis happened is I reached out to all the nonprofits. And when you're calling from a congresswoman's office, yeah. I got a meeting within 24 hours. Yeah, sure. And so I was meeting with all these nonprofits and finding out what capacity do you have to be able to see people? And can you help veterans? And they were all nonprofit organizations that worked in healthcare, suicide prevention, mental health. So that way we actually worked on doing a resource fair. And so we did it right across the street from the VA. We had all these nonprofits. We had the VARO, which basically identifies if a, if a veteran is eligible for services. And then we had the VA there to be able to set up appointments for them. And so a veteran came in, we would, we would basically say, what's your problem? And we could either say, okay, you need to go to eligibility or go get an appointment with the VA or 
just go directly to these nonprofits. And then they would go to around to all the nonprofit organizations and veterans would leave crying because they didn't think anybody wanted to help them. And meanwhile, all they saw were all the people who wanted to help them. And it was just a game changer. And um, that was one. And then we ended up doing many veterans resource centers after that. Now you'll actually see a lot of the members of Congress do them in their district as well. So we were actually able to set up a model for other congressional offices to be able to do things very similar to what we were doing. And a congressional office is nonpartisan, and I can't express that enough. And if people are having problems, reach out to your member of Congress, especially if it's a federal issue. It doesn't matter if there's an R or a D. They have caseworkers that their whole job is to help you navigate the federal system, and they can help you. So you know, we would get co- we would get comments all the time. Well, she's a D. She's not going to help. Right. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter what you are. Your mm-hmm. constituent, and she yeah, it's it's right. her she job to help. Mm-hmm. She works for we you. To, the population really needs to hear that, especially in these times. And talking about that, this lady Dana Kennedy is a marvel. When we come back from a very brief break, we want to hear about your endurance sportswomanship. <laughs> Okay, that's that's fun to talk about. So we're back here with Dana Kennedy, who is the um, state director for Arizona and an inspiration to all of us. Tell us a little bit about your favorite conversation having to do with your sports and endurance. So triathlon. Yeah. So um, when I was five, I developed a, um, a heart murmur from rheumatic fever from strep throat going undetected. And so I was rushed to the hospital with 105 temperature. They automatically put me in an ice bath. And from that, I ended up staying in the hospital for a couple of weeks, um, monitoring my heart. And so I had to get checked out quite frequently regarding my heart condition. And one day I went to school and came home with a flyer about the swim team. And my mom, I asked my mom if I could go join the swim team. And she said, well, we need to talk to your doctor first. And the doctor said, oh, this would be great for her. And so I started swimming at seven age group and I gave up swimming at 21. So I, I swam 13 years competitively and people may not realize, but swimming is basically a a sport that you do every day. And then on weekends you have swim meets and sometimes, you know, as you get older, you actually swim in the morning before or before school, you lift weights at school and then you swim after. And then your weekends are often, you know, swim parents, boy, they've got a big job taking their kids, <laughs> schlepping them to all the different practices and everything. But I loved it. And it really grounded me and, you know, helped me set goals. I had, you know, I sat down, and figured out like how I, how I could become an A group swimmer and then get a certain time and then qualify for a certain meet. And the big qualification, I always wanted junior Olympics. So I gave it up at 21 and focused on getting through college and then my career and got a little bit lazy. And then at 40, I, and I, and I did run a little bit. I started running a little bit in 30 when I was 30, 
and did a marathon. And it wasn't the best experience. It's actually a horrible experience. And then I said, I wanted that ex- a better experience. So I did it again. You're so determined. I just want to add this. <laughs> and You're self-competitive. So self-competitive. Oh, right? my gosh. Okay. Okay. So the second tri- marathon that I did, it was everything. I crossed the finish line the entire time I had a runner's high. I wasn't struggling. I wasn't in pain. And it was fabulous. I crossed the finish line. I got my medal. And then I stopped running. And then at 40, I was like, you know, you're probably going to be like your gramps. And I was working, you know, in aging. And you're probably going to live to be 100. So if you're going to live to be 100, you need to make some changes. Mm-hmm. And so I started focusing on being active again. So I made it a goal in 2011 to do a, to do a race a month and to run every single day. And I kind of got bored of running. So I had already always wanted to do a triathlon. So I went and bought a really cheap bike and I would ride my bike around my community. And then I'd go swim at a little, you know, pool and get my laps in. And I did my first triathlon. It actually just came up on my Facebook um, in 2011, the mountain man. And I loved it. I fell in love with the sport. You are remarkable. I'm tired. I'm exhausted just from listening to you, to you. You're an absolutely remarkable athlete. Go ahead. Continue. No, yeah. So what's the third? So, right. So then swimming, the, running and it's, it's swimming, biking and running. Biking. And so the following year I made it a goal to also do, do some form of exercise every single day and do a race a month. And I've done, I've had that goal since 2011. So to this day, I have, I have done a race every single month. My house is filled with medals. Um, (laughs) I love my medals. You know, I could give up a lot of things, but my medals are, I just bury me with my medals. Um, Because everyone tells a story, you know, and last year I started out my year 50. I worked really hard to lose, to lose a little bit of weight because people think that, you know, because you exercise all the time that you can eat whatever you want. It's not true. And I think I was cautionary tale. I was listening to something the other day and and they were talking about, you know, because people exercise, sometimes they eat more than what they think Mm. they can and they don't lose any weight at all. And so I worked really hard to lose weight and become, you know, fabulous for my 50th birthday and be the weight that I wanted. And then I went to Puerto Rico to do a half Ironman distance race. My goal was to do five 70.3s. And coming out of the water, um, my I tore my gastric muscle. And so I hobbled and got on my bike. And you don't really need your calf muscles. Your gastric is your calf muscle. And you don't really need your calf muscle to to be able to bike. So I got on my bike. I actually had a really good bike time. And when I dismounted from my bike, I couldn't run. So that was my very first DNF after over 100 races. DNF. Did did not finish. Okay. So <laughs> why didn't you know that, baby? <laughs> right. Um, so I so I did not finish. That was my first one. So I so I went to the doctor. They said, go ahead and get in a boot. And you can so I still walked every single day with my dog. And then I swam. Um, and I still exercised and I still had the goal on my mind to be able to do my five 70.3s for my 50th year. And once I got out of the ca- the calf, I was doing a bike safety clinic for AARP, and this will be at my retirement party. And I had a malfunction with my bike, and my back tire seized, and I got unclipped because I was clipped in, and got unclipped and put my and tried to brace myself, and I ended up breaking my wrist. So I got hauled off in an ambulance in front of the AARP members. It was. <laughs> horrible. And, um, I ended up having to have surgery a few days later 
and um, they, you know, fixed my wrist and I continued going go to physical therapy and I didn't, I wasn't able to do Oceanside, but I switched it for another race um, in Canada, in Victoria, Canada. And so I did that in the middle of June and then I did a 70.3 in Canada on the beginning of June. Because you didn't need your wrist to... I trained, I have my bike set up on a bike trainer com- hooked up to a computer. So I did all my bike training on my bike trainer. And While then, the wrist healed. And then worked, yep. And I still swam. And it, but I had to be careful with swimming because I didn't have the strength. So mm. I didn't want to hurt my shoulder next. Good idea. And um, so I did it, but I just, I did it very cautiously. And I didn't care about my time at all last year. I just, the whole goal was just to cross the finish line. So I ended up still doing my 570.3s for my 50th year. Now, I read that your beautiful dog, Kona, mm-hmm. runs with you. He does. Now, when does he do not finish? When, when does he look at you and say, Mom, can we stop now? <laughs> so I I call it Kona time. Okay. So especially this time of the year, whenever we, we head out together, and it's whatever he wants to do. And... So if the other yesterday we went for a run, he wasn't having it. He lay down <laughs> on the sidewalk. I look like I'm, you know, abusing my dog, but I'm not. I let him rest and then he lets me know when he's ready. And I always take water for him. And um, and this morning I just walked him because I was like, it's too hot. I'm just going to take him for a walk. And then when I come back, I, I get on my bike trainer. So he does. So he he gets he gets at least two miles a day, whether it be walk or run. And when I do my long runs, I take him for a short run. I take him in the house, and then I go out for my long run without him. Kelly gets more exercise than I do. I'm gonna have to change that. Ladies, <laughs> what do you think could be a takeaway for us and our audience when it comes to keep moving? When it comes to staying active, despite the fact that we might not be a winner in that moment, what else can we take yes. away from this incredible, inspirational story yes. that Dana's telling well, us? Well, I. I have two thoughts that were occurring to me as Dana was presenting this. One is that right now, officially, we crown you a boom goddess, okay? Without a doubt, you are in the club. I'm honored. (laughs) Yes, yes. And number two, uh, you are now the iron woman, the boom goddess iron woman. Oh, my gosh. Like, (laughs) shocking and amazing. Every part of the body goes, okay? But she just keeps on going. I mean, So there's implications for as we age, right? Because something happens, then something else happens. And yet, if if we have the commitment to keep moving, then we don't necessarily have to keep moving with all of our parts working perfectly. That's right. The compensatory motivation, I guess, is really what I'm getting at, that we can compensate for what's missing somehow. So I'm going to do that as a takeaway. What could I use to compensate now that I can't use my left hand or now that I can't use my right ankle or what? How else am I going to keep going? Are you Dana's still swimming? Really, Are you still swimming? I am every day? swimming. Okay. Yeah, I am swimming. Yeah. You know, I just because believe- now I can't walk every day because <laughs> I have a bone spur. So right. So you have to keep compensating. So I just believe do something every day. Yeah. And it doesn't like some people just look at what I do is, oh, my gosh, how do you do that? Well, I do something every day and people think I've done three Ironmans now and people think that, I mean, that is an amazing accomplishment and few people will ever do that 
few people want to do it. And I always say you have to want to do something and find something that you enjoy. My triathlon is my socialization. Mm -hmm. And that's when I get to see my girlfriends, my friends. We bike together. We run together. Um, It's a community, right? It's your your nucleus where you belong, right? It is. It is. And so during the week, my exercise program isn't that much. It's, It's about an hour. But I get up at... I usually get up at four every morning. I turn on the coffee. I have a cup of coffee in bed um, with Kona and I, you know, read the news and then I go and exercise. Usually I'm out the door by five and I just make it a habit during the winter. I can be, I can sleep in a little bit more, but during the summer I have to get it done early. And I think that really what you're speaking to in the remaining minutes here is the importance of commitment to ourselves, whatever it is that we are committed to. So definitely I'm a believer in doing something every day, regardless Mm -hmm. of the day, regardless of the heat, whatever it is, however you can find a way to keep moving, even if it's just sort of silly dancing in your own home. Or stretching. Or stretching, stretching, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something that I think is a really good takeaway for all of our listeners. And uh, at the same time, I think that it's incredible to be able to have goals as well. And some people can't necessarily manage physical goals, but almost any goal that really can keep you going, whatever read, it happens. Read to a be. book. Listen to a podcast. Make, yes, but make a little a, Watch, a little goal out of it. Listen you know? to the radio show. Right. <laughs> For sure. Listen to the radio show every day. We created a group called the Network of Extraordinary Women. And you really are an extraordinary woman. So at some point, I know your schedule's busy, but we'll get with you and hopefully you'll come down and speak to our group so they can they can meet you personally. And be inspired. And be inspired by your life and what you've accomplished and how you persevere. I think if I had to coin one word for you, it would be just like the queen of perseverance, right? And this is what's so exciting to us because it brings us to that area of life where we can just be filled with inspiration, right? And that's the aim of our show, provide connection and inspiration. Right, because inspiration is the fuel for motivation and then moving forward. back. This is B.B. Peters with Dr. Andrew Gould-Marks and Jennifer Davis-Page. We have the immense pleasure of talking with a very persevering woman, a brilliant woman by the name of Dana Kennedy. She's the executive state director for the AARP division or AARP entity for the entire state of Arizona. And we were just talking to her about her life and about her inspiration. Well, one of the things that I wanted to add was that it's always helpful to have some role model, right, Dana? You had uh, Gramps, who he seems to be following you no matter where you go. He's that inspiration, the person who raises that flag on the boat. So the very last time I went home to see my Gramps, I knew that he was, it was going to be the last time I saw him. And we took him out on the boat and um, he needed help, a little more help than he normally does. We got him on the boat. And again, he had macular degeneration. So we're, you know, just 
going along the lake and we go out to one of the coves where, where there was a bald eagle's nest. And we always like to go out to, there and see if they're having any babies and if there's bald eagles. So sure enough, the bald eagle was there. And the bald eagle flew and was following us on the boat. And it was just so beautiful. So we got home, got off the boat and my stepdad was there and he loved to videotape my gramps. And he said, so how was it gramps? And he said, oh, it was absolutely wonderful. And he said, and I saw this bald eagle, which was just amazing that he could see the bald eagle with his macular generation. Um, and then he just finished it off and said, oh, what a wonderful life I've had. Mm-hmm. And so after he died a month later and we went to right where the eagle was and put the ashes there. And sure enough, the eagle came and followed the boat. Oh, my. So so bald eagles have a very special meaning. So um, I just recently moved into a new house. And, you know, neighbors don't necessarily knock on each other's doors anymore. And my neighbor, she came knocking on my door. She said, oh, my gosh, you have to come out and see this. And she wanted. This is in Arizona. This is in Arizona. And she's like, you have to see this hawk. And so it wasn't a bald eagle, but it was a hawk. And she said, I've never seen a hawk here. Mm-hmm. And I said, you have no idea mm-hmm. how meaningful it was that you knocked on my door and had me come out to see this hawk. And so I kind of just knew that my gramps was indeed watching over me. And um, I always feel, you know, just filled with memories of of my gramps. And, you know, we were just, you know, talking earlier about, about you know, exercise. And, and my gramps, he ate oatmeal every day and he walked every day. And I remember that from him. And when I decided that I needed to take responsibility of my of my own exercise and my own diet, I incorporated a couple of my Gramps secret recipes. And that was exercising every day and eating, you know, making sure we get our nutrition as well. Put nutritious stuff in your stomach. So does that, those are the two things, I think, two of many that have to do with the initiative Disrupt Aging. Right. It's like we're not going to be cowed by the fact that we're, quote unquote, you know, in our eighth decade or our ninth or our tenth decade. Right. What are we going to do instead? How are we going to disrupt? So ARP is absolutely trying to disrupt aging. And, you know, I think that we've succeeded because you saw the news today about the face app. All these people are downloading this face app and they're posting pictures on social media as far as what they're going to look like when they get older. And people are commenting about it. And I just are commenting on people's on people's things saying, well, we finally made aging hip. Yes. I've done my job. I can go yes. home. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. Because before it's like you are trying to like erase the wrinkles and everything else. So I see that app as kind of hysterical that all of a sudden people are posting what they're going to look like. Now, they might not like what they're seeing, but you know what? They're kind of starting to get used to it. And there is nothing wrong with having wrinkles. Nothing wrong with it at all. And uh, Mike Gramps was proud of his age. And that's what disrupt aging is, is don't tell somebody they look good for their age. What does that mean? Exactly. They just look great. And beyond the looking great, it's really what we don't always see is really the being great. Right. It's really the accumulation of wisdom. And I was thinking that I know Bloom Goddess really acts and wants even more so to act as a bridge between the older generation and 
what we've learned over the years and how we can really share that with people who are coming up on the age of eligibility, the big 5 mm-hmm. That's That's the turning point for many, you know, certainly in my practice, as women, particularly sometimes men, but as women approach 50, there's this, what didn't I accomplish? What am I disappointed about? What should I have started earlier? What can I do from here? And so I I really think that our wisdom and our experience has a place to go. And Boom Goddess is really the bridge to Mm -hmm. that. And that's why we love having these conversations. I love it too. It's really important to let our listeners know that it's never too late to start anything. Absolutely. You know, at some point you say, after if, if you retire from your corporate job and then you say, what am I going to do? Am I going to play golf? Am I going to sit and watch television? What am I going to do? And uh, it's it's important to know that you can really start a whole nother life at, at 60. Absolutely. Or 65 years old. You can start a whole nother career. I mean, I look Not at... Not only a whole nother <laughs> career, but a whole nother life. A whole nother whole life. whole nother right. relationship. Right. Yep. whole nother routine. Uh, you know, a whole other way of living, lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, our founder, Ethel Percy Andrus, I mean, she was constantly disrupting aging way before her time. She started AARP in her 50s. Um, and all the different things that, that she did later in life. And she never stopped. You know, she just kept doing things. And I don't think she ever got paid anything for, for starting AARP. But here she created this organization that now has 38 million members. 38 million members. Yep. Wow. And how many of us are eligible? I mean, in, in other words, out of the eligible amount of, let's say, people 50 and above, what percentage uh, are in AARP? You know, I don't know. I should know that figure, and I don't know off the top of my well, head. there's 300 million Americans living right. in the United States. Right. So and anybody can join no matter where they... We have international membership okay. as well. So that 38 million includes the world for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I okay. mean, most of our members are in the United mm-hmm. States for sure. Because mm-hmm. they, you know, we do have a magazine, and we have the bulletin, and we have online. Um, but and we... So much fun. I just have to take <laughs> a moment. We okay. didn't get the bulletin. You got it. I got the bulletin. I know. I know. And this is oh, how I go through it. You know, it's just the articles that you have just for on um, this one, forging connections to overcome isolation. We talk about connection mm-hmm. all the time. Right. It is the absolute number one resource for well-being and longevity. And so to find these articles in the magazines that you produce on a regular basis, it's such a treat to get them because they're inspirational, they're they're great uh, source of information and they're right after our own hearts. Remember when we used to look forward to getting Calling All Girls (laughs) or Seventeen Magazine? (laughs) Yes. 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 Right? Right? Oprah? Yes. We still look forward to getting I'm, I'm the oldest of the three of us, and I we had the privilege of having our launch party for Boom Goddess Radio on my 70th birthday. See? All right. And You're a perfect I, so was, example it, of perfect, I'm a perfect aging. example. We, we, I started a whole new career at age 70. And that's fabulous. Yes, it is. And why shouldn't you? Why well, that's you? the thing. Like, you're talking about Ethel never stopped. And I think that once one gets into the habit, of having that kind of discipline and, and having that perspective and the mindset that we really can do, that we really can start, that we really can continue, or that we can compensate, but that 
that belief that we keep on going, I think that's really what we need to internalize. And then once we do that, whatever we choose to do, whether it's, in my case, it's writing every day and it's swimming as many days as I can, <laughs> you know. But really, I think it's the commitment to keep doing whatever it is we need to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And I have a saying that I just love. If your dreams don't scare you, then they're not big enough. Yeah. I love that. I saw that. That's been around. Th today. That was one of one of your, your favorite lines. And I wrote it down and I said, this is really wonderful. Because I think that we should have dreams that we're just a little bit afraid of mm -hmm. because they challenge us. And I think that's part of why I love disrupt aging so much is because we often use age as a limit of why we can't do something yes, right. yes. rather than why we can do something. And that's what I love. That's what I love about Jane Fonda. You know, she just goes for it, says what she's thinking. And I love the freedom after a certain age, I don't know what the age is, where you just all of a sudden say what's on your mind. Permission. Yeah. Permission mm -hmm. to do and also less inhibition about what other people are going to think. Who that's cares? really the operative thing. Who cares? My mother's 95 day. and that's where she is right now. Uh -huh. She says what comes up comes out. Oh, and it's, <laughs> and it's so and, and she has like complete prerogative to do it. And she enjoys that spotlight no matter does. what she has to say. But I think it's, it's important to also be kind. So just because we are right. thinking something that might be on our mind, I think we always have to be mindful of how those words come across to other people. Right. We don't want to be old and crotchety, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or what is that other word that we use to describe somebody who's um, crunchy, especially like a curmudgeon? Oh, yes. Yes. Right. We don't want to be that. No, right. absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, we talk about age from time to time on our program. Programs. And uh, I don't want to share my age, not in public. I'm happy to share it with you when we're done. But I take on the premise of what Dr. Northrup said. She is, her mind is 30 and her level of experience is 300. And she's somewhere in, in between. And I think that makes total sense to me. Uh, because to many people, and I think ARP has been so amazingly powerful in making aging hip, as you just said, and you continue to do that. Um, but uh, for a long time, people uh, judged us by the number, by the, by the age uh, number that we uh, were. And so when I find that I don't need to share it, they just... Uh, uh, they can see the possibilities of what I'm doing and the interests that I have on the far greater picture. Right. They can just come to their own conclusion yes. based on how they feel. And we don't wind up taking anything away from someone by giving them a number. So that's yeah. another perspective on it. I don't mind giving my age. I, <laughs> I don't mind at all giving my age. I've got, but because I have my two best friends in the world never lived to see age 65. So I tell it. I just go right ahead and tell it. That's how my gramps was. I mean, we'd go through the grocery store and whoever was at the, you know, checking us out, he'd say, guess how old I am. <laughs> and he always, and he'd pull out his, not his driver's license, but his ID card and show them that that was really his age. And he was just proud of his age. He looked great for 90, 95. I mean, he, and, and the other thing he did is he would go out in the driveway and sit in a chair, a lawn chair and he'd take off his shirt and he'd roll his so socks down and he sat in the sun for a half an hour every day without sunscreen. And he still had this beautiful 
and I'm not suggesting anybody do that, but <laughs> but sun is good for you, right? Right. And, Vitamin um, D, right? You know, we need a, we need a little bit of it. We don't need to burn ourselves, but but it can be, you know. That was like when I moved my dad to Arizona, he just, he was dark skinned to begin with, but he would just sit himself in the sun and I'd be dead. And I got to put a hat on him and start rubbing him down with, and no way, it wasn't going to happen. He had a little <laughs> bit of dementia. He was never going to remember anyway. So he had this really beautiful glow. He also lived to, to 97 and he would do the same thing. He would always say, what, you know, guess my age. People would say 75, <laughs> 79, 96. Oh, you know? Yep. And right. he was handsome. He was a handsome devil. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes he what was. Yeah, I loved the ladies till the end. The day that he died, one of the caregivers in his place said, oh, I remember he just said that he wanted, in his dying wish, he wanted to be with the ladies. And he was nice and, you know, presentable, mean, presentable and gentlemanly. And... Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, the amazing initiatives that AARP has uh, rolled out, or uh, for now, uh, and in the past, uh, because they're a day doesn't go by where something exciting and powerful um, occurs. And you ladies and uh, gentlemen roll those out in such a fine fashion. What are some of the newest ones that you are working on? So we're always in the community and we realize that a lot of people come to Arizona from other states and they retire here from other states. So they don't necessarily have roots here mm -hmm. or connections or relationships. So we're doing a lot of things fun with purpose to be able to connect people with each other. So we, um, when it's not as hot as it is, like we started weekly walks, we do bike safety clinics, we do healthy rhythm drum circles. Um, it's evidence-based, so it actually helps reduce stress. Yes. But also if somebody's like an introvert, they don't have to talk. You know, anybody drum circle, great idea, isn't it great? Yes. Anybody can make music, and you know, it's it's got an instructor, so he tells people, you know, when when to beat the drum, and and you can pick out your own instrument. Um, we're doing a new thing with the MIM, which is the Museum of Instruments, where we're doing music and memory. Um, you know, we're trying to make sure that people stay active, and if they do have dementia, music is something that people connect to. Um, we, what else do we do? We do fraud classes. Um, we teach people, you know, how to make sure that they, they understand computers and what's safe. So it's actually a tech class. Um, we are constantly doing different things and trying different things. So with the city of Phoenix, we're actually, um, do a weekly instructor led class right now. They're actually inside, but a lot of our events, if you just go to the AARP Arizona page, just Google it, um, and it says what's our events. And also, if you follow our Facebook page, we're constantly posting different events. Um, so can we just ask, what uh, what is the your URL for um, both, for your website and for your Facebook page? So it's AARP Arizona for Phoenix. It's forward slash Phoenix. For Tucson, it's AARP um, dot org forward slash Tucson. And then for Prescott, it's aarp.org forward slash Prescott. We don't have staff in every single area. And we also connect people with volunteer opportunities. So a lot of times we're, we table at different events. Um, you know, fraud is a big deal. And, you know, scammers are constantly targeting seniors. So we also do mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of work on fraud. Um, we also do teletown halls. So 
I know people are inundated with telephone calls, but we do teletown halls. So at the end of this month, we're going to be doing a teletown hall with the attorney general. And it will say when we call on the ID, it will say AARP Arizona. We usually notify yeah, people um, mm-hmm. that we might. you may get a call from mm-hmm. AARP mm-hmm. if you want to join the call. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and answer it. And because if you don't pick it up, then you can't join later if you realize it was it was us. So you have to be home to be able to join it. But what we do do is we do Facebook Live. So any of the teletown halls that we do, you can just go onto our Facebook page and watch it on, you know, we videotape it afterwards. And what is that page? What's the Facebook page? AARP Arizona. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Now are other people in other states, do they have a director um like you in every state? Every state has a state director, yes. Not necessarily Not like, like Dame. you. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. right. Yes. Well, all of our state directors across the country are very extraordinary people, I believe. Yeah, I'll I've... try out try out of them. Triathlons? triathlons? Well, oh, in, triathlons? In, really? our, our, our state director in South Dakota is about to become an Ironman. So he, <laughs> oh, he, okay. he, he's been training um, and he's very fast. I'm, I'm not fast like he is. Do you all get together annually to come together and discuss things that you're going to do for the following year in we, your communities? We do it more regionally. Okay. And I have an executive council. So, so I work with an executive council um, and they're like all volunteers and they're all ages as well and experiences, but they kind of decide what we're going to be active and, in, and involved in, especially with volunteer opportunities. So this year we're actually partnering with the Fiesta Bowl. So if people want to march in a parade, we're actually <laughs> recruiting volunteers okay. to march in the parade with us, um, which is going to be fun. But when we march in the parade, we're actually going to hand out, it's called a passport to fitness. And it's going to be various fitness programs that we're going to be kicking off um, in 2020. Excellent. And so people go to one of the fitness classes and they get a stamp. And if you go to so many by the end of the year, you're going to get invited to our open house to celebrate their accomplishments. Wow. I'm a good uh, witness to just one little thing that you guys do. And that is when Maria spoke to us, that network of extraordinary women, she uh, shared a card with a phone number where we call and cut our junk mail. Well, lo and behold, within like two weeks or three of my doing that, I think my junk mail was cut by like 70 or 80%. So it works. So this is just not like possibilities. This is like real facts. Thank you for and bringing that to us. And Maria. we do we do shredathons. So in mm-hmm. different communities, mm-hmm. um, we like to do it right after tax time usually. And then we usually do it in the fall as well. So you can actually come and get your papers shredded that need to be shredded. Uh, and you can bring up to usually two boxes. And then we usually partner with the local charity. So we ask you, you know, yes, we're going to shred these for free. But will you consider making a donation or bringing a food item right. um, so we can donate it to the charity? And don't you offer some accounting help or some end of the year tax help too? We do do we do help people file their taxes. Yes. So, so we have and it's all volunteers that do this. So they're all trained and everything is secure and so they can get their taxes done for free. Yes. And then there's this incredible foundation that is investing money in various kinds of innovations that really help our future. We were very excited to find that. Better Ideas for Older Americans, AARP Innovation Fund Kickstarts the Future. Can you talk a little bit about that? So That's I'll ta- amazing. I'll talk a little bit about how AARP is structured. So the 
enterprise itself is a 501c4 organization, which means we can do lobbying. We don't endorse candidates. We do endorse issues. Mm. Um, So right now in Phoenix, they're having two ballot measures that we're actually working hard to defeat. And it's regarding the light rail and also the budget and a pension issue. So we do endorse issues. And then we have the foundation, which is a 501c3. But more extraordinary is our you know, our CEO right now, Joanne Jenkins, she is phenomenal and she's very innovative. So when she came on board, she basically taught all, had all the staff go through training and, um, to be, to incubate ideas. So somebody comes to you with an idea, you don't say, Oh, we don't do that. Instead, think about it. And so we actually invest in some tech, um, startups to see where they can, where their idea might go. So one of those is called like Silver Nest. So it's an online platform for seniors who may have a room in their house to be able to get a roommate. And so it's specifically targeted towards our more mature audiences. And so we invested in Senior Nest to be able to get this platform. I didn't know there was a name for it, but it was always a dream. Isn't that a great idea? Yes, Yes, because in New York, where I come from, there were a lot of people who, of course, had these large homes with extra rooms, and they didn't want to move. And there were lots of young college students all around. And there were lots of people who didn't have homes. So it was a natural, but I'm so glad there's there's so well, you know, the boom goddesses are going to have to do an episode on 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 senior Housing. on senior nesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. That's a, a fascinating because we talk about it a lot and we talk about it with the women in our community so there's a need so we're going to have to address it that's great absolutely and there's a lot of technology that will help you stay in your own home as well as you age so those are things that we're investing in aging in place initiative absolutely yep and the technology allows it so if you're a caregiver from across the country you can actually put technology in the home to be able to monitor. And that doesn't mean a camera in the house because that's a little intrusive, but it does mean that you could have a pad down on the floor. So, you know, when your loved one gets up, you can actually be able to adjust the thermostat. So if they call you and say, boy, it's really hot in here, then you can actually see what their temperature is. You can monitor all the appliances to make sure a stove isn't kept on. Um, very cool. That's, that's very, very, yeah. very yeah. important. So yeah. we really need to embrace technology. Oh, and totally. Yep. We are so into that. I can tell you. Oh, my God. Right. Yes. Right. It's exciting, it's right? It's exciting. Right. Very yeah. exciting to embrace uh, right. technology. I was and what shocked it when I read us. about the installation of something called clear motion because, you know, you're driving in the car with a loved one who is older or you're picking them up from a health appointment. And, you know, to find something that's going to cushion or avoid the bumps in the road. Wow. Somebody really had a compassionate vision there. And this takes the fear out of growing old. I mean, I did have a fear of growing old because I had grandmothers that reached the age of 100, you know, mm-hmm. and and I was fearful. I mean, the 70th birthday was wonderful because we launched Boom Goddess, but I was fearful that day because now I'm going to another decade and what is what is it in store for me? So this is wonderful knowing that um, as you grow older, you can have technology assistance and um, you don't have to ask one, any of your children which one of you are going to going to let me move in with you. Right. Yeah. yeah. And just Uber and Lyft. 
you know, because transportation, when we ask our members what it's the one thing that they're concerned about, it's transportation, mm -hmm. which is we were the very first state in the country to endorse the local transportation initiative in Phoenix. And then we were involved in the one in Tucson as well, because um, we know that people need to be able to get to where mm -hmm. they need to go. Mm -hmm. And so we have been working with Lyft um, to make sure that 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 when they develop this technology that they think about seniors in, in mind. And so Lyft actually views themselves as a company that helps solve solutions. So they know that people are having a hard time getting to their doctor's appointments. So they're actually working with like United Healthcare to be able to provide transportation to mm -hmm. the doctor's appointment mm -hmm. because the person can decline really fast if they don't go to the doctor. Yes, that's right. I know. And telemedicine also. That's right. another technology. That's another really important technology. And I noticed that you had that also yes. talked about in this Better Ideas. Have you guys ever American. used one of the telemedicines for any of your appointments with a physician? I do it as a psychologist. I use tele telehealth. We yes. call it telemental health. Yeah. And it really, um, it just makes it so much easier. If somebody is impaired, they're not able to drive or don't have somebody to drive right. them. It's, it's an incredible Boon. So in these last two minutes or so, um, as we wrap up our wonderful discussion, uh, tell us about what type of vision um, exists uh, um, from you, from the other uh, directors, from the president of AARP. What's kind of what's the next thing? I think it's going to be innovation for sure and where we go with it and how we embrace it and making sure that the privacy issues are addressed because for sure we need innovation but we have to be mindful of privacy and that's that's a difficult balance well, yeah, yes it, really. it really is but you have to be mindful of it and because it's going to allow us to do many things but people are also going to take advantage of it right and so we need to be mindful of that and so I think the frauds and scams are something that we're also going to make sure that we have our have our finger on the pulse of what's happening and get that information out so people don't get scammed or fraud. Because once that money leaves your bank account, it's not coming it back. back. Mm -hmm. And so we need to make sure that we prevent that from ever happening. I think healthcare, we're really focused on prescription drug prices. Yes. We've got to get that down. Oh my gosh. Because when I have health insurance companies coming to me wanting help with getting medications reduced, the prices, because we're all paying for it at the end of the day. If Medicare cannot negotiate, we all pay for it. Right. So just because your medication is, it's not free from Medicare, but just because somebody else is covering it and you're not seeing it coming out of your pocketbook, it's still part of the budget. And that's where we want to keep our eye on preventative measures as well, right? That's really kind of hand in hand. Diet and exercise. Diet, exercise, and companionship and connection. And connections, absolutely. We can't thank enough for joining us at the table and giving all of our listeners this important information. And thank you so very much for being the woman that you are. Thank you all. And thank you for starting this at 70. Yes. yes. I mean, yes. how exciting. How exciting. This is, it? I mean, this is really needed. So thank you so much. And we appreciate you. Boom Goddess. Yes. Thank you. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs. <laughs> <laughs>